Okay. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? I the pity every. I pity. I big <laughs> That's right. You are the big boss. You are the for all of the those of you who are not watching on YouTube right now. I pity you because Jim Johnson has come on with the most comedic Yosemite Sam level hat so that he can run. This makes him. We all bow down to him for this episode of continuing conversations, and you'll know why when we get to the pack talking about the pack list. He's uh, asserting his dominance. Yeah, this is great. We're Although, jumping right in. Like Go ahead, John. If one of us takes the hat, we become the new line at Felber. That's how I'm understanding this. Or if I find a bigger hat right now. (laughs) Oh, that's a challenge, you see. If you can find one. I'll tell you, though, this this foam hat is ungodly hot. So I'll I'll tell you. This this is is what I do for my fans. Well, I'm the only one in California. Actually, I'm the only one in the Pacific uh, Southwest and California right now. So I have the biggest chance of going out and knocking on one of my neighbor's doors and finding a sombrero. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is going to be a fun episode. This one. This one's going to work. I'm Michael Dismuke. I am with, uh, this is, welcome to another episode of Continuing Conversations. I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek RPGs and uh, RPG and also a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for Medivius RPG Star Trek Adventures. And of course, we have with us a great crew tonight, starting with the big-hatted Lord of All Pack Lids, Jim Johnson. Hey, everybody. I got the big hat on. The big hat. I got the big hat. You are smart. I am smart. <laughs> I am the smartest. Anyway, I'm Jim Johnson. I'm the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Modifius Entertainment, love these many years. Co-host on this here show with Michael. Going on 70-something episodes now. I've lost track. And uh, excited to be here. Excited to be talking all about, you know it, Lower Decks. Lower decks, lower decks for a long time. And here we are. It's about time. We're going to have a whole series breaking down the chapters and we have a great casting star with us today. Let's, let's start uh, alphabetical order. Make life easy. A.A. Ron. I'm Aaron Pallier. I'm a longtime uh, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. Uh, Yeah, I've, I've, I've worn a lot of hats, I guess, in, in the writing, but today my hat is not as big as Jim's. <laughs> All right, and uh, alphabetical, uh, we go to Al. How's it going? Al Spader, um, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. Uh, had a, a lot of different little things in this book and had a blast doing it. I can't wait um, to talk about it with you all and uh, can't wait to see what the fan reaction is going to be. And again, for all of those of you tuning in, uh, not on YouTube, you will notice that Al is wearing the Starbase 80 shirt. We can't talk anything more about it. Next guy. Starbase 80? We can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. (laughs) All I got was this lousy t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Those poor bastards. Oh, man. All right. And finally, that brings us to John. Introduce yourself. Hey. So, uh, yeah, I've been a uh, writer for Modiphius for, God, so many years now. and been working on Star Trek Adventures since the beginning. And I'm hugely stoked to talk to you about Lower Decks because as Jim will tell anybody, the moment Lower Decks was, was even dropped online, 
I am just messaging Jim, like, we've got to do this. This will be so cool. So pretty excited. All right. We got to give it back to you, Jim. Jim, take the lead on it. Uh, and are you going to try to wear that hat the whole thing? Cause I hope you do. Until, until my hat, until my, until my head just starts sweating. Yes. I'll, I'll keep it on for a while because it's not too tight, but like I said, this foam does not breathe and it's really mm-hmm. hot, but you know what I'm thinking? What I don't, what it, what's interesting. And I'm going to do a little non sequitur here. The, the hat is folded up by these two brads. Right. And these are just basic brads like you would see in like a like a movie screenplay. It's just a you know punch hole and it flips. And so it, like if we ever do like a like a um like a Rios kind of special thing, I can I can turn one of these flaps down into his pimp hat that he wore on that <laughs> one episode. So this could be like my big it could be my cowboy hat, but then it could be like a pimp hat if I put oh. one down. And if I see, find a big enough feather, I can wear this at the Ren Fair. I say I, I thought you were going to do this as some sort of play on words and say like Brad's as in Brad Boiler, but never mind. Yeah, not that clever. Beat me to the joke by that much, Mike. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for it. Okay, so so Jim, uh, take you go ahead and do the intro for this book. Talk to us about it and and why people should be excited about it. We yeah, we sure all thing. are. Sure thing. So this is uh, this is all right, right? Star Trek Lower Decks. So uh, we've had the Star Trek Adventures license since 2016. And uh, we we started working on the game even before Discovery came out. I think Discovery was announced somewhere in the in the shuffle of us working on the game. And uh, of course, we didn't get Discovery for a while. Uh, but uh, like when Lower Decks hit the airwaves, you know, and a lot of people were really excited about it. And uh, and, and like almost immediately, the, the the question was, okay, when are we going to start seeing some Star Trek Adventures material for Lower Decks? And it was like, hold on, we don't even have the license yet. Get a relax, calm down. These things take time, right? Because Paramount obviously has got their things going on, and they want to give it a chance to to just see what it does. Like if it was a flop, then they wouldn't be giving out the license to anybody. Uh, but obviously, it turned out to be a big success, big hit. Uh, three seasons out, season four is in the works. Season five has been greenlit, so Lower Decks will be around for a while. It's a, a wonderfully irreverent look at Star Trek, but it's also super funny and um, super reverential to the series too. Like there's so much love in every episode. I mean, you can, you can see, you can just feel it. And uh, they put in so many Easter eggs, so many Easter eggs in every episode. And what I'm really impressed is, is how much story they pack into 22 minutes or 23 minutes or whatever. Like, the, like every episode is dense, right? It's just not one-off jokes and they're done. Like there's a lot of stuff packed into these episodes. So if you haven't watched it yet, you're doing yourself a disservice. Go check it out. Um, it takes, it, personally, it took me a little while to warm up to it. Like four or five episodes, but man, once I was into it, they were they were flying on all thrusters, and I'll be eager to go around the around the screen and get everybody's reactions to what they thought of Lower Decks as a whole. So actually, let's do that before we jump into the book itself. Um, and I'll just start with uh, John. What was your initial reactions to Lower Decks when it hit the screen, and uh, what do you think of it? Well, uh, man, just first of all, we I just go off to acknowledge the fact that Trek has been around for so long has had so many episodes and it's such a cultural impact that they can make a tribute show essentially because it's really what Lower Decks is. And mm-hmm. it's it's all punching up humor. Um, and even the times when it does make fun of the Star Trek universe, it's always in ways that never leaves you walking away where you're dissatisfied. Like I, um, season two, when they're going through the that collector's collection and it's kind of like, oh yeah, Spock's giant skeleton. And it's like, that was a dumb episode. Mm-hmm. For those who are curious, find the animated series. Uh, it's it's weird. The animated series was just far out there. But 
Yeah, no, I love it. And um, I've just always been excited. There's really not an episode that I'm just kind of like only only warm on. And and I get that I'm a big fan, you know, obviously, you know, working on the game and everything. Um, but it's it's nice. And I think after so many years of having people tell jokes that are sometimes mean spirited, like the Shatner segment from Saturday Night Live, where, you know, he's telling all Trek fans to get a life. And, you know, you laugh with it because you're all like, oh, yeah, I'm not one of those Trek fans. Oh, no. But getting to watch a show where you actually can just you don't have to hide. You know, you turn the cloaking device off and your entire Trek persona just comes out as visible. And for me, it was a celebration of everything. I mean, I know that we just got through Picard and Picard, you know, celebrated Next Generation this celebrated all Trek. And for me, I just, I was laughing and I was groaning and it was just fantastic. So um, I'm excited that we have a up till season five. I'm hoping we go to seven. Um, yeah. But uh, again, as I pointed out earlier, where uh, the moment it dropped, I'm messaging Jim, like, we've got to do this. So <laughs> can't be more pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks for those insights. Really appreciate it. Uh, Al, what are you, what are some of your thoughts on, uh, on lower decks there? Uh, so I'm excited whenever there's a new Star Trek something announced. I love that it can fill niches um, that uh, different fans are into, niches that might bring in new fans. Um, and I, I got to say that I watched season one, the first couple of episodes, I think three times um, before I finally it clicked with me. Uh, Lower Decks finally like made sense. I understood that. Uh, uh, like John was saying, that it, it it's really a tribute um, to uh, Star Trek as a whole. Um, and I really started to fall in love with the characters. And then, um, you know, the comedy, I realized that it wasn't making fun of Star Trek to be malicious. It was making fun of jokes uh, to bring the, commu- the, the Star Trek fans together. Um, and by the end of season one, like they were telling an epic, story that was like i'm like how are you doing this in 20 minutes like i was on the edge of my seat you know it it was just crazy so um yeah so it took me a few episodes i had to watch those first couple of a couple times each before i finally it finally clicked nice very cool very cool all right aaron what are your what are your some of your thoughts um i think when the first episode aired i was immediately drawn into the show by tendy Tendi was like my gateway character into totally like grasping right away what the show was because she had that wild eyed joy of just being on a starship. And I'm like, that's exactly what I would be. And I think that's what most fans would be stepping on board a starship for the first time. Just, I don't care if it's grungy. I don't care if it's poorly maintained. I don't care if it's just a California class. I'm on a starship in Starfleet and I'm going to have fun. I'm having fun doing my job and that kind of joy in, in a lot of ways goes right through the entire series so far. Um, it's a joy of being in Starfleet, of, of being friends with people, of, of having these adventures, even if they're dangerous, scary, whatever, this is what we're, we're driven to do. And we do it because we love it. And yes. So obviously I love the show. I love the show. Mm-hmm. brilliant brilliant and uh michael let's uh, let's wrap it up here uh, or wrap up this piece of it uh, tell us about your thoughts about uh about lower decks 
Sure. First of all, I'll go with my favorite character. Since A.A. Ron is going with uh, Tendi, I'm going with Jack Ransom. I'm sorry, if I was on a ship, that's who I would be. He's my favorite first officer. Um, just again, similar to Tendi, he loves his job. He has no shame that he's doing second contact as opposed to first contact. Why I love Lower Decks in particular, Jim, you knew that since, and I've, I've said this before, since I started writing for Star Trek Adventures, I pitched humor, 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 and you've sent back to me a couple of times, it's subjective, it's subjective, it's subjective, and I put my head down and I get serious and I write, you know, more serious stuff. So when I found out we had a license for Lower Decks, I remember, I think I emailed you, I may have spoken to you, I can't remember, but I was like, please, you're putting me on this and please, I can be my full self. And you're like, yeah, go for it. So I just loved it because everyone who anyone who's seen any of my published work, my manga comic, it is the most dark humored, cynical thing about kids in school and, and all that stuff. And so Lower Decks fit the bill for me perfectly. When I first watched it, I did make a mistake. However, I usually have the habit of watching Star Trek right before I go to bed because it relaxes me. So I found that watching Lower Decks for the first time did exactly the opposite. I was so alert and hype. It was like drinking a five hour energy drink that I had to like pause it for a second. I'm like this is going to have the reverse effect of relaxing me. So I actually waited till the next day to watch it when I'm a little bit more awake. And I kept away from any social media devices because I warn anybody who has not seen the show, you cannot miss a beat. The jokes and the Easter eggs are flying faster. So 22 minutes, like I think Al said, is packed with like an hour and a half worth of Easter eggs, side jokes, quick witted. So I just tell people, put your phones away. It's only 22 minutes, pay attention. Um, and you're going to really enjoy the show. So again, writing it for me, I actually, I have to say it has been my favorite piece to work on so far, um, for the Star Trek adventures line. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Excellent. And, uh, I'll just add, um, uh, you know, something I obviously, I don't think anybody expected this when they were watching the show, but uh, um, the Packleds, like how were the Packleds the big threat of the galaxy? Like, where did that come from? I mean, that, that's an inspired piece of humor right there, pulling for Mike McMahon and his team to pull that out. Because, uh, I mean, it, was, and it just worked out so nicely for Star Trek Adventures, personally, because uh, all the way back from the core book, I know I've talked about it before, I wrote a couple sidebars about the Packleds being one of the first Alpha Quadrant species to delve into the into the gamma quadrant and, and i was like that'd just be funny and uh, we, i just kind of continued that thread and i know some of the other art writers had picked that up on, and we dropped in packed the references to a lot of the books and um like i think um some one of one, one of my friends watched the lower decks episode with the packets before i did and they were like oh my god did you see the episode you gotta watch the episode I was like, what what's going on it's like oh my god it's packed lids <laughs> and then that, that built the spread yeah. And that built the springboard for this book too. I, I if yeah. anybody wants to know, you know, people are asking about, give me a Romulan source book. Ah, we decided to do the Packlet source book first and that's called Lower Decks. <laughs> <laughs> and actually there's quite a bit of Packlet stuff in this book, believe it or not. Uh, we got the, I mean, not to, actually I'll tease it a little bit because we can't show the screen yet, but uh, we've got a, we got a playable character species, right? So playable, uh, Packlets are playable, playable species. Uh, we've got the, uh, the clump gun and then we, uh, Aaron uh, wrote up a whole bunch of ships. Uh, for Packlet, so all the different clump ships. We got like five or six different sizes of ships. So like no matter what size, no matter what scale your ship is, there's there's a Packlet adversary capable of uh, taking you on and defeating you and absorbing you into their their version of the collective or whatever. Uh, there's also some other stuff in there. I'll encourage people to check it out and find it. And of course, we got big hats in the book too. So yep. uh, the uh, the graphic designer Chris Webb, he did he had a lot of fun making some uh, some badges, some custom badges in the book. 
And so you'll see badges in here with a lot of different hats, and including one really big one. So have fun with that. All right. Anyway, so that being said, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the introduction and chapter one tonight. So we're going to try to make this a relatively uh, streamlined, uh, focused show. We'll see how much we riff on it as we go. Um, but uh, we're going we're to do a bunch of these episodes, and uh, we're going to string them along here, uh, leading up to the pre-order date, which is uh, currently planned for early June. And then there'll probably be some episodes after that, too, and there'll be just a ton of other stuff to come. So uh, buckle in, folks, because if you love Lower Decks, you're going to have like two months worth of uh, fun stuff. And you know what? If you hate Lower Decks, that's okay, too. Just uh, you know, watch our old episodes. There's a, there's 70 episodes to watch. <laughs> Take a little break and get ready for uh, like episode 90 or something where we'll talk about, I don't know, something different. But, but you'll be making uh, a mistake if you don't watch these because these are probably going to be the funniest episodes like because we can really <laughs> let loose and we can we can riff on our own insider jokes on Star Trek. They're just cool. Yeah, but I, but I will say, like, even if you're not a fan of the show, there is a ton of content in this book that will be re relevant to you and your campaign, even if you're not doing a uh, ha ha funny lower deck style kind of kind of uh, series, like even if you're doing. Like uh, like Lower Decks from Next Generation, like that episode Lower Decks, uh, and much more serious and dark in tone. Like there's content in this book that will absolutely help you with that. So uh, don't don't just dismiss the fact that we're going going Lower Decks here. So uh, you know you know you know just just with like all of our books, right? I try to drop some surprises in here and try to try to give you some unexpected things in here that make you think about it and go, oh, there's more to this book than I was expecting. Like I think the Discovery Campaign Guide is a good example, right? Not to mm -hmm. knock on that, not to knock the, uh, uh, not to promote that one too much, but uh, there is more stuff in there than just discovery. So, you know, you're doing right. Or just like Utopia Planitia, some people thought it was only going to be ships and it ended up being a lot. People who are picking up are like, whoa, or even the game masters and players guy, people thought it was going to be a, re a redux of the rules and it was not. So I know, Jim, your orders to us were also to not only, you know, get into the fun of lower decks, but also give people something that makes it valuable for them. Yep, yep. So uh, we opened up the book with a uh, forward. Uh, Mike McMahon, the creator of Lower Decks, was gracious enough to uh, write a forward for us. So I encourage you to check that out. He talks a little bit about his D&D &D gaming experience and how that relates to his life as a, as a gamer and a creator. And uh, it was very kind of him to write that for us. So thank you, Mike, if uh, you're watching this. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you and all the work you and your team do over at Titmouse and uh, Paramount and CBS and all the other logos that I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, he said dude, Titmouse. I did. <laughs> All right. And then we go to the introduction. Uh, introduction is pretty straightforward. I mean, if you've read our books, you know what the introductions uh, bring to you. I don't know that there's any real surprises here other than we dropped in a reference to the uh, animated series in there. And uh, we've also got a, a essential viewing sidebar. Uh, this one was pretty easy, though, because like the essential viewing for this is lower decks. Like the episodes are 20 minutes long go watch three of them in the time it will take you to watch one Star Trek, you know, one regular Star Trek episode. So, um, you know, it, you can pick and choose if you want. And, you know, there's some episodes that are better than others, you know, subjectively. Uh, but I think it's worth watching all of them because they're just so fun. And there's so many great references and uh, and uh, uh, Easter eggs and stuff. Uh, there's also a bit of guidance about running a non-Starfleet game. So, like, we've seen one of the episodes showed us the lower deck life on other starships and other polities. Mm -hmm. uh, you can absolutely do that with this book. If you want to do Klingons, uh, Vulcans, Ferengi, Pakleds, you know, Andorians, whatever, Borg even, uh, you know, you'll find some some content in here that'll help you run lower decks experiences <laughs> with those. Uh, and then, you know, then we jump into chapter one. And this is where I'll stop talking and I'll encourage uh, uh, John and Al and Aaron and Mike, Michael to um, 
talk a little bit about this. Um, I think you all delivered the goods on this one in spades. Um, uh, and so I'll, I'll stop there. I, I got a, a little bit of editorial comment to say um, after the fact. But uh, John, I know you wrote a good chunk of this. So why don't you go ahead and kick us off a little bit. Talk about uh, what you contributed to uh, to chapter one. Man, uh, you know, actually, it's so funny. As I was reading through this chapter, I was like, man, what did I write? This is all awesome. And I know this is not all me. Mm-hmm. It's just so much great work goes into this and being able to to read it again and and laugh. And also, I think just just to brag on my, my colleagues here for a second, you know how in our books we've got those little sidebars that pop up where it's like someone's log? Fantastic. I'm getting choked up. Fantastic work throughout the book. There's a lot of funny jokes. And, you know, I know we were all a little worried about us being funny in a book, but th- it was really good. But I think for me, one of the things about this chapter, about the, you know, the galactic overview and all that, so we've talked about, you know, the history of Trek in the books. We've talked about, you know, like World War III, um, the Federation Klingon conflict, all of this. It's nice sometimes, though, to sit back and just, like, see it from a different perspective. And it's not just, like, a bunch of people joking about history. It's not like we're all sitting around making jokes about the Revolutionary War or, you know, like, mm. uh, or the 16th century. This is This felt like... One, Boimler trying to teach us a bunch of information really, really quickly, uh, which we'll get back to Boimler and how he's represented throughout the book because it's really hysterical. But this felt more like a bunch of people trying to like, you're sitting around like on a bunch of couches and you're just, you're talking about things like, you know, yeah, the Packlets, they're a major threat out of nowhere. What's up with that? And I love how that comes through. I love that. You know, for some people, they might have the concern that this book is just, you know, insert joke, wait five seconds, insert second joke. It's no, it, it all flows together really, really well. And so looking at this and seeing Boiler's face, um, it's funny, I'm remembering a, um, a, um, a Star Trek posting group that I know that Jim and I are both in. And I remember people saying, I just hate Boiler's stupid face. And I'm like, oh, it's stupid face right here. <laughs> He's trying to teach us history. I think one of the things I like that you did the most, John, out of here was we so often in many of the other books or even publications always make it seem like, you know, Starfleet is only about these border crises with all these polities coming in to crush us. But the voice you wrote in made it seem like, oh, you know what? We're going to be okay in the Alpha Quadrant now. Here's what we got to do to maintain and kind of pull ourselves back together. You know, and I really like that you did that voice because I, for one, watched Star Trek for the hopefulness. And so it was nice to have a book where I'm like, wow, you know, we have have a book about okay we know all this is going on out there but inside we're kind of keeping it all together Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's the nice thing about boimler is that any for any of the writers who got to to write in his voice i think it's the fact that it's optimistic he is if i had to compare him to someone he is 1980s star trek fan where for him it's all up from here um it was already pretty high it's only going higher and yeah, he wants to impress you. Like, we're going to get to that later. But, you know, Boimler is the guy who will name drop himself in a conversation. I love that. Yeah. And so, but it's the fact that he's kind of like, it's no big deal. Serve on the USS Titan. You've probably heard of it. Anyway, so the work reactor is going critical. And it's like, wow, you, you just go from, you know, it, it's just really cool. And I like it. And also, it's just the fact that there are times when you see that his ego just drops out entirely. And I hope we captured that tone really well. Um, and also just, yeah, so I'm, it's nice to be able to look at 
the world of Star Trek differently. Like, still positive. It's not like we mm-hmm. were setting out to to break the utopia, but it was nice to just have a bunch of people sitting around going, "Yeah, no, it's really great working the lower decks." Until Q shows up, and then that's just five hours out of our day, which we did not have mm-hmm. time for. Buffer time can only fix so much. Well, mm-hmm. remember, in order to look up at Starfleet, you have to be in the lower deck. So that that kind of viewpoint is makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think the opening chapter sets up the tone of lower decks really well, and not just as ensigns looking upwards towards you know the the higher ranks and the bridge, but it's also looking from the center of the Federation outwards. That not all of the problems that the Federation faces that Starfleet has to deal with are these major border crises that aren't these major galaxy-ending uh, problems. Sometimes it's just installing a new atmospheric, you know, processor for, you know, a planet that's undergoing terraforming or, you know, bringing a random rogue AI element back to Daystrom because nobody else is able to at the moment. You're just you're the closest people shuttle this guy back. Um, I love that kind of tone that that focuses in on. The smaller scale the smaller scale. And that's where a lot of fun can happen. Yeah. And I, I think uh, a lot with this first chapter, um, you know, we, uh, Star Trek Adventures ha- was set in 2368 initially in, in the core rule book. Right. And we started progressing that forward as uh, you know, as the writers went through the Delta quadrant books and the gamma quadrant books and whatnot. Um, but there's this gap of time post-Dominion War that we don't really know what was happening in the Alpha and Beta Quadrants, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, because Voyager, all that stuff happened really far away and in the Delta Quadrant. So we kind of had to pick up the pieces of the Dominion War and connect that to 2380, right? So what has happened in that time in a post-war galaxy uh, and i think that we because we hop from uh faction to faction to faction in this section uh we do a really good job of trying to give that snapshot of where mm-hmm. the galaxy is at yeah which helps and, and oh go ahead jim you're on mute i saw you moving your lips <laughs> sorry i was on mute um i that's what i was just gonna say that's one of the things i appreciate about you all is that you always rise to the challenge when i say okay look what we got what we got to do is we got a bridge, like in the Discovery book, we had to bridge Enterprise to mm. beginning of Discovery. So like, we got to figure out, like like they haven't, Canon hasn't really touched that that chunk of time yet. So we, we need to bridge that gap, at least provide some insight into game, for gamers and, and game masters and players, because that's the kind of stuff that we need as game role players to get our characters in our head and to figure out what's been happening and where did they come from and all that stuff. Um, and we had to do the same thing with this book to 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 wit that, like you said, Al, that that 20 year gap in time, 15, 20, I don't know, uh, maybe 10 years between the end of the Dominion War and 2380. So it was that 23. Well, actually, be on a nemesis, really. Right. 70, you know, 23. There's there's a chunk of time in there that we don't know a lot about. And we know that the we know that the the Hobus uh, supernova is coming, but we're not there yet. Right. We, we're mm-hmm. creeping up to it. And then we also know Picard is another 15 years later. So there's this weird time thing that we had to kind of play with and fill in a little bit. And uh, I think you all did great with it. So um, yeah, kudos to, to all of you for, for rising to that challenge. And I'm sure I'll be asking you again, because there's still big chunks of time that Canon hasn't touched yet that we've got to figure out to how are we going to bridge that so we can continue to build it into the books and 
you know, someday, you know, you look at Star Trek Adventures and you'll see a you'll see a continuity from Enterprise all the way out to the 32nd century. And won't that be cool? <laughs> and that kind of wow. I would love to write about I love writing about history. And for um, when I had to do that for the discovery and it's like, oh, right, all the way up to 32nd century. And then I'm like, Jim, I've got a problem. I have too many words and you don't like it when I'm this far over. So certain things are going to have to be cut. And yeah, yeah just if, you ever, if that ever becomes a, an actual book, I will be there. But yeah. that also that represents one of the unique challenges for when you're working on even on Lower Decks, but also in the other books. Like, what is canon? Like, mm-hmm. in some ways, it's easy to figure out. Like, oh, when it comes to Picard, the show, canon. But then it's like, oh, where do the graphic novels sit? Because they advertise themselves as canon, but are they canon? And then you just go from there. And I remember the old extended universe, which um, as we're watching Picard, I was telling um, uh, my brother everything about the the final board war in the old extended universe. He's like, that's awesome. You should write about it. And I'm like, oh, that universe is dead. That's a parallel universe. We're not touching that one. That universe is gone. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you want to draw from elements of that universe, but at the same time, you can't. I mean, one, obviously the licensing issues, but two, you can't just pull one thread from that old universe. You would have to be like, you have to pull, you know, entire, like, you know, just clumps of plots for it to make sense. And while the old universe had some cool stuff, um, like I, 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 big Star Trek nerd, obviously, but there are also times when it was just kind of silly. And so it would just be like, oh, are we going to write a whole book about the Q continuum? It's like, no, that book gave me a headache. I hated reading Zero as a name by the time I got to the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just figuring out what we can and cannot use. Um, like, I don't know about like with everyone else. We, when you guys were creating stuff for the book, did you feel like you had a hard time sticking to just the show or was it just other things that you wanted to pull in? I I guess I didn't have a problem with it, but I I don't tend to read a lot of the extended stuff like graphic novels. I do read I do read some of the novels, but I I am able to like compartmentalize that uh fairly well. Yeah. So I guess I I maybe a little bit at times, but yeah, mo- mostly no. Yeah, I, I always reference uh, beta canon just when I'm trying to get a bigger picture of who or whatever it is I'm trying to write about. Because lo- lots of times, uh, you know, there's there's not a ton of information about a specific ship or mm-hmm. about a character. But then when you look at the beta canon, you realize, oh, this character has been used uh, several times and they might have, you know, this focus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I go with it. Um, you know, if, if you need to fill in gaps, uh, I think that uh, beta canon is a good place to check. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how I, I usually go about it. Yeah, I'm into between episode beta canon usually or between movie beta canon because they purposely did not try to deviate too much. And so, you know, that they're just saying this is just a story we never had time to tell. And that kind of excites me like the Vanguard series. Love the Vanguard series. I'm on oh, book yeah. four right now. And mm-hmm. that that one, you know, I, I cheered out loud when Carol Marcus shows up and you know, mm-hmm. sorry, spoiler. You know, I'm like, yeah. It's because now we get to enrich. That's a very good. That's yeah, we a need very to, good. Right. Series, we, yeah. And we need to enrich in that character. So that's that's where I, I like it. In the end, I always ask Badgie. That, that Badgie's the final call on Beta Cannon. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I, I, uh, I'm i just a big Star Trek fan. So I've read the comic books. I've read the novels. I've read the graphic novels. All that stuff. And uh, I always appreciate when you all are able to find Easter eggs to drop in here. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's not so subtle. 
And sometimes it's so subtle that I don't even catch it. And then like sometimes Scott will catch it and he'll say, oh, you know, this, this, this. And but you know, sometimes sometimes stuff gets past Scott, too. And that's OK. Right. Because like there's a lot of stuff from my life and my campaigns that have found its way into the books. And I'm sure it's true for most of you as well, that we, we add our own little personal touches to this thing. And mm -hmm. uh, we know it's there. And it doesn't matter if other people know it's there because we know it's there. And that's our little our little love letter to ourselves, you know, as part of the Star Trek continuum, because I guarantee you every single producer, every single technical person who works on the shows puts that stuff into the show, whether you see it or not. Like, I, I remember, you know, Mike Akuda and the, the whole art department at TNG and all the other shows like at the time, standard definition television could not display the, the signs and the placards and stuff that on the set designs. Right. So they knew no one was going to be able to read it. So they put all kinds of in jokes and references in there. Mm. And then it was only until like the, the next gen remaster that they were like, Oh, wait a minute. People can read those now. Yeah. And, and then you can like zoom in on it. And That's cool. See what was in there. So now their, their little secrets are all exposed to for all, all time now. Anyway. So I, I, I digress. No, it's good. I got to ask a question to Al because Al, you're the one who started up with the, was it you who started the ideas with the badgy lessons, the little bo badgy boxes that are interspersed because this is the first chapter we see that talk, talk about that. Yeah, so um, I had this idea when because uh, I worked on the um, new uh, species life paths, um, and I just put like a little two sentence blurb in there that Badgie might report out, out on about each of the um, the species, and you know it was um, typical Badgie snarkiness, um, and I was like this this might not even make it through. Um, but you know, it's, it's fun. It, it ties, um, the species into a bigger picture. I was like, and, and it gives us the badgy feel. So I said, let, let's pass it through. Uh, and I sent it into Jim and it turns out they loved it. And Michael, you had to write some more, right? Yeah. Next thing I know, Jim is saying, Hey, your chapter's a little boring. So you're going to need to, you're going to need to add some badgy boxes into them. I was all offended, but it's okay. He asked me to be funny. I could do that. So yeah, I, I, I and I went back and read yours. I was like, oh, okay. I get that voice. Let's, let's go do it. It was fun. So ho hopefully people, if you read them, you'll know all the Easter egg episodes I reference in them from Badgie. It's really funny. His cynical side. Yeah. I have a question for you too, Jim, about the art, since of course this art is replete with amazing lower decks art. Is any of it um, original or is it all pulled from scene captures? Yeah, we uh, we uh, we commissioned a whole bunch of original art, and uh, I want to give a tip of the big hat to uh, my art director Ariel Ariel Orea. He's been our art director on Star Trek Adventures for a few books now. He's doing a fabulous, fabulous job. I think he's uh, he's leveling up the game. Like it was like our art was really good before under the under the previous uh, art directors, but I think he's been able to bring it to another level, and he's continuing to do that book after book after book. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of asked him, I said, look, we, we're going to do this Lower Decks book. I really want it to be all the art to be in the style of Lower Decks. Do you have in your Rolodex of artists enough people who can match the style? Because I knew that uh, Mike McMahon and the, and the team over at Titmouse would uh, be very particular about um, about their artwork. And, um, and sure enough, they were. They were very particular about it. Um, but he found some artists who could do a great job matching the style of the characters and the look and feel of Lower Decks. It was very, you know, obviously Lower Decks has a very specific look and feel to it. And, um, and so there's, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 original pieces in the book, as well as a whole bunch of, um, whole bunch of um, um, screen caps. We were able to use 
screen cap high res screen caps from the show, which was a godsend because a that's a money saver, but b it was able to, we were able to it just worked out so nicely that a lot of the topics we wrote about in the book there was there was an episode or a scene or something from an episode that like thematically fit that chunk of text. And when you can match the text with the art on any given layout or page in a, in a book, it, it's just like, that's perfect. That's the perfect match. So in, in an ideal world, like the, the quotes at the beginning of the chapters and the art and the text all work together as a, as a unified whole. And uh, I just love seeing that come together because it's so much better. Well, not better. It's so much more interesting to look at for me because, you know, I spend months and months and months looking at the Word documents, you know, revising, formatting, you know, editing, cleaning them up, getting them ready. And then I hand it off to the layout people and then they bring the graphics in and they bring the, the the design and it's like, oh, it's actually a book now. This is exciting. Like it's it's a whole new thing now. It gives me a different chance to look at it in a different way with fresh eyes. And then I see a whole bunch of new typos or a whole bunch of new errors. And it's like, oh, shit, I, I didn't see that. When I, when I was staring at the Word document for the umpteenth millionth time, you know, like the, the, the typos disappear because you just don't see them anymore. Read it backwards. Yeah. Read it back. Got to read it backwards. Yeah. That's what I was told. Upside down and all that oh. stuff. But yeah. So the, the badgie lessons, just to digress a little bit, the badgie lessons were inspired idea. Um, I love that we just uh, put the hammer down and just went full throttle with all of them and put as many of them in here as we could. Um, I will be the first to admit, though, and this is a little, you know, a little look behind the scenes is um, the this was probably one of the very few books that we've done in seven years where we actually got a lot of notes on uh, on the on the text. And um, I was kind of expecting it because I knew that Lower Decks is very important to Mike McMahon and to the production teams. I was expecting some notes. Uh, but the uh, the big one was tone. And, uh, and the second one was voice. Like some of the character voices were just a little off from what they expected. And uh, the badgy sidebars, this is the sad reality of, um, of working on RPGs, is that sometimes when I get notes as the project manager, I don't have enough time to go out to the writers and say, hey, I need you to rewrite this. Mm. I need, you know, here, here's the notes from the studio. I need you to rewrite this and then get it back to me. And then for me to get back to the review team and whatnot. Uh, more often than not, even though I would love to do that, because partly it's a, it's a developmental opportunity for me to give to you as writers to help you stretch your skills and, and, and get better at what you do, right? Even though you're already great. Um, I don't always have that opportunity to say, here's the notes from the studio apply those notes and then we'll go back. So sometimes I have to do the rewriting, which like, I hate to do it, but in the terms of like budget and time and everything, I have to do it. We're all thinking, we don't care. We got paid. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't believe that though. Like I know you guys are getting paid, but I think you guys are more passionate about this. Like I am. And I think you do care. (laughs) Like, I don't think you're like, none of you are here for the money. I can guarantee that because I know I'm not because there's just not that much money in the RPG industry. Right. I mean, come on. Uh, but anyway, so I, you know, I will just give you all a blanket apology and say, I'm sorry, I had to rewrite some of this stuff. Um, when we get dictates from the studios saying, you know, this isn't funny enough, or this is, this is too malicious. Like there was a couple <laughs> badgy sidebars that the first draft was actually kind of like over the line malicious, which I was like, well, <laughs> he's badgy, he's, he's mean. I'm but shrinking was, off scene. Was, for those who can't see, I'm shrinking off screen right now. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't naming names, but uh, of course, by this point, I mean, it's been over a year. I don't remember who wrote everything. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. open. I'm not the one that gave advice on those either. <laughs> was it about barbecuing the baby newts? Was that it? Maybe. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so that's the, that was the funny thing is like some of the, some of the notes were 
this badgie sidebar is not badgy enough go more badgy and then this badgy sidebar is too malicious bring it back a little bit so it's like a lot of a lot of tweaking and tinkering and turning the dials a little bit to get it dialed in uh so that was a lot of work uh, but it was fun and uh and like clearly the 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 review team at paramount and uh titmouse uh really appreciated <laughs> what we were trying to do and uh and we're really into it so i appreciate them as well so thanks to Marion and to Mike and to everybody at uh, Paramount and, and Titmouse uh, for, for all that stuff. So um, so there's that. Uh, I also want to add, uh, she wasn't able to make it tonight because of uh, family commitments, but uh, Rachel or maybe maybe Rachel, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. I think it's Rachel, but Rachel Cruz um, wrote a lot of the sidebars in the first several chapters. And my challenge to her was, I want you to write personal log sidebars for each of the main characters. And I want them to connect. I want there to be a, I want there to be a narrative in here from one personal log to the other personal log, and and that's pretty much all the all the advice I gave her. I said, go have fun. You know, I want one Boimler, one one uh, one Doctor Taana, one Shax. You know, one for everybody, and make it you know make it lower decksy and fun. And uh, so you'll see that that ongoing storyline. Like the the sidebars may not necessarily fit the subject matter of the actual chapter. But just the way they were placed in there, I, I want you all to just check those out, have fun with those uh, readers. Uh, so enjoy that. Um, sure. Was there anything else I wanted to add about that? Uh, no. And again, like uh, like John said, we did. I think we did a really nice job. You know, not to pat myself on the back because my hands in the way, um, but uh, bridging that gap between uh, Dominion War, the movies, the next gen movies, and the start of Lower Decks. There's a there's a swath of time in there that a lot of stuff is happening like technologically socially within starfleet outside of starfleet all the other polities that we reference you know we talk a little bit about the klingons we talk a little bit about the romulans um we probably shouldn't rush by that too fast because i'm curious yeah. i have questions about who wrote those sections and and if there's any easter eggs we should know about so you know what first of all though go ahead if you can't pat yourself on the back because you're Hat. Just go ahead and pat yourself on the front, and now we can move on talking about the different polities. Okay. So, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's right. just let's just jump into it. I, I'm I'm done talking. <laughs> it's okay. Klingon Empire is somebody here, one of the people who wrote up the deets on the on the Klingon Empire from the lower decks perspective. I I, I was guessing John Kennedy on that one. You know, I think if it wasn't John, it must have been Rachel. Okay. I'm gonna say it's a good. Yes, but I think Rachel's the one who did Klingons. Yeah. Okay. Romulans? Who did Romulans? Rachel? I think Romulans was me, actually. I think that was John. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually you're, love when you forget. You're the, you're, you're, the, you're the standard bearer for Romulans among us, so uh, I think, I'm pretty sure that was you. Uh, I think I've written Romulans in five books now. So, because you're good at it, that's why I keep coming back to you. <laughs> uh, honestly, you're the only reason now I know the uh, plot to insurrection. Your paragraph was so clear. <laughs> I really appreciated that, by the way. Yeah. Um, just been a huge Robinson fan. Like, I always thought they were really cool bad guys. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably also one of the few people that likes Nemesis because, you know, it's. It was basically just two episodes of Next Generation, and for me, that's enough. Mm -hmm. um, Did I just get yeah. the wrong? I named the wrong movie. Was it Nemesis? Okay. Where um, okay. Nemesis is the Tom Hardy movie. Sorry, I told you I'm the average geek, not the ultimate geek. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, I get totally pedantic. I have to dial myself back all the time, so don't feel bad. <laughs> um, 
Do you want me to talk about Romulans for a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Um, again, with Romulans, it's um, it's nice to see them from a different perspective. And for this book, I know that one of the goals we had was also like we wanted to do a lower decks book, but also what if this is your what if lower decks is your first exposure to Star Trek? So we had to really quickly run everybody through who the Romulans were. Um, and they might not have understood all the jokes in the show about them. Then we had to be like, okay, here's the Romulans. Here's what they're up to. Here's what they're doing after the Dominion War. And it was just nice to talk about the Romulans and be like, oh, yeah, this is the, the, the Dominion War was the beginning of their decline. And being able to talk about how, yeah, so much is changing and they had a huge government overhaul. And it, you'd think it would end, you know, like a brand new start for the Romulans. But anybody who watched the 2009 Trek movie, it doesn't get better from here. Um, but I, I really liked talking about, you know, just, yeah, just a humorous take on history. Cause I think everyone learns better when you're enthused and you're entertained. Like I've taught classes at a museum before, and it's always those people who are like sitting off to the side, don't want to be there. And if somebody's just droning on and talking about how, like, did you know that Indiana has had two constitutions and we had to sign a new one three years later and it was a very very warm day so they signed it outside under a tree and it's like oh no that's neat when that comes up on jeopardy that i wouldn't need the 200 spot thank you but with this book you want to talk about all the good things you want to talk about like why romulans are interesting bad guys and and yeah just you know like like you mentioned michael you didn't really like care much for nemesis but this got you up to speed really quickly yeah, so much yeah. so that I didn't remember the name of the movie. Is that horrible? <laughs> I get things mixed up all the time. Don't feel bad. <laughs> My wife says the most resounding part of this chapter, by the way, because she actually likes Lower Decks. And so she she was interested uh, in this is, of course, the personal log you did for the first Gorn to enlist in Starfleet on page 21. That one had her cracking up. And I'll, oh, I'll so let- far. Yeah, I'll let people read it themselves. It's actually, I, I know you took a lot of time, you know, crafting the sentences and the dialogue there. But to me, that really got to the heart of like the Gorn, uh, you know, as an empire and as a person. So I just want everyone to go look at page 21, the inset box with the Gorn deep stuff. I mean, I, I really think that Mike McMahon is probably going to rip some of that and put it in the show. I'm positive of it. Watch. Poetry. Poetry. If Dude. anybody uh, wants to do a live reading of that, when they get their books and post it to YouTube, I'd love to see it. In fact, if someone does to a library, I, I'm not lying right now. If someone first one on Star Trek Adventures are uh, on our on our Facebook page, or you can put it on the Discord channel. But if you do a live reading of that, and the first person to post it up there, I will personally, I'm going to give you my email address on Discord, and I will personally send you a lower decks book. Boom. How do you like that? You heard it here first on continuing conversations. All right. First live reading to get that. And it has to be after the book comes out officially. You know, I don't want someone to find a way to do it before, you know, how these scandalous people are sometimes, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that's my rule. Good, good, John. Cause it's deep stuff. I'm telling everyone deep stuff. Very right. deep. <laughs> right. so who, uh, uh, who wrote the pack list? Is that you, Michael? Yeah. That was my person. That was my, I want to say the section on Packlets is my love letter to Jim Johnson. <laughs> I want everyone to know it's my love letter to Jim Johnson for pulling me into this. I totally springboarded off of the work and the seeds you and the writers had planted about the Packlets because actually it blew my mind. I'm not joking for a moment. 
I now believe the Packlets are the most dominant and threatening enemy that the Federation have ever faced. And this clues you set back in the core rule book about it actually had me rolling in bed at night in a cold sweat. Like, how did I miss this? So I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let people read it themselves. I'm not gonna spoil it at all. You have to read, but when you put it all together, it's actually like I have, if you could look at my wall right now, I have post-it notes with string and pictures and all this stuff where it all makes total sense, but I'm going to save it for people to after they get the book. So Jim, what did you think about when, when you finally read how I, I was able to put an in cap on the seeds you had started? Well, I, I, I will uh, first, my first reaction was, this is great. I loved it. Cause I, you know, I just had this weird thing about pack lids and it, I just really appreciated that that you you built on what we've already done and and just continued that thread right uh and then one of my later thoughts was i was actually really jealous for a while because you know being so firmly entrenched now as the project manager i don't have time to write anymore like i would love to write more on these books i've been, I've been writing less and less on these books as it's gone on because i just don't have the time i'm i'm, I'm too busy editing and coordinating and 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 doing all the fine tuning behind the scenes right um so like in a different world I would have written this chapter absolutely, um, but I knew that I just did not have the time, and so I, you know, obviously I asked you to do it, and uh, I'm just grateful that you picked up all those threads and you went back and you looked for them and you found them, because like uh, you know that you know you readers out there, if you're not reading carefully, you're missing stuff because we drop all kinds of stuff into these books because these books are dense, right? I mean, you, I mean, this whole <laughs> Dex book is 250 pages, right? That's a lot of content, and you can't just do one-off jokes for 250 pages without it being deadly dull. Um, so there's just a lot of other content in here. And it's true for all of our books. Like all of our books, I'll be honest, probably run a little long. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think there's a lot of filler. I mean, this is just my opinion. No, yeah. Fans, fans can tell us otherwise. Um, but uh, I mean, well, here's where I'm going to cry, though, Jim. And I know you'll be we'll be hugging each other from 3000 miles across <laughs> space. Yep. But Mike McMahon, come on, the creator of the show, read this chapter and let it fly. So if the yeah. theory we purport in here actually shows up on a future lower decks, mm -hmm. come on, man, that's going to be pretty deep. Maybe um, I, I will say not not specifically this chapter, but there were certain chapters. Or, you know, maybe there was a couple of lines here and there. There were some things that we built in, like collectively that we wrote into the book that were um, extrapolating. Like we, we were kind of mm -hmm. guessing where they might be going in some cases. And there were a couple of places where we got notes saying, oh, we need you to take this out. We need you to take this out. We need to take this section out because because they are they were already working on season three and four. And, and there are specific plot lines in three and four that they want to develop more for more you know, fully in the show that they did not want us to touch in in the book so there there are chunks of text that i had to i had to excise and um obviously the fans aren't going to know but i'll just leave it up to you to you all to figure it out like you're gonna have to go look it's at your drafts you're gonna have to go look at your drafts and compare it to the final just to see what they cut and maybe you can think about what they did or what they're going to do uh later this year when the season four comes out um but for the most part they left it alone uh there were like i said there's a couple of things they wanted us to cut just to give them a because obviously they they run the show right they 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 own the canon and uh they didn't want us accidentally touching on things that they were going to expand upon later yeah. Um, so, yeah most of this pack led chapter stayed as is which i was thrilled about thrilled beyond belief because yeah uh, because well the, th the last thing you posted or the first thing you posted when you advertise or no star trek.com the the page they chose to 
post was a piece from the Pacla cha- chapter, which I ended up getting a lot of love about you just, I, not me personally, but the book got about how Pacla's survive in space, which I right. thought was super cool. So yeah. I thought that was a good chapter for them to, uh, or a section for them to put out there, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Pacla's and, and, and then we talk yeah. about um, our other polities and Al, I believe you wrote a big chunk of this one, um, especially the, uh, and we talked about the collectors a little earlier in the show. And uh, I just love the fact that we were able to drop in a, a random table here about oh, baby, yeah. maybe, maybe your crew encounters a collector's, uh, a collector's collection. So I'll talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, uh, I was excited because, again, remember, we're filling in these holes. And what uh, Lower Decks does really well is they introduce uh, new species, uh, new factions, um, and, and things like that. So where do they fit into the galactic scheme um, is kind of where my head was at uh, for this section. And uh, the when I started writing the Collector's Guild, I knew right away that I needed to get a really fun uh, D20 random table in there um, with a bunch of uh, random stuff. So I dug pretty deep on some of these. Some, you know, are pretty much surface level, but uh, a couple of them are pretty deep, uh, you know, uh, and I think that you guys will have a a fun time going through that list. Can Um, we go through our favorites? Because I definitely saw one that made me crack up laughing because I got the reference right away. Uh, which one was your favorite? Mine was number 17, a leather holy book with galactic army of light written upon its cover. <laughs> yeah, I figured that would be your favorite. Uh, yeah, that was a good, that's a good one. Yeah, they, I, I just think that they are, um, yeah, there's, I, I tried to get uh, little bits from like every series uh, in there as some type of reference. Um, and uh, yeah, it and, and if you um, remember correctly, uh, Starfleet was brought on to check out this collector's um, uh, collection, the one that had passed away, because they wanted Starfleet wanted to see if there was any like weapons in there. So of course I had to put you know a couple of active weapons on the uh, <laughs> D twenty list and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, so that was a fun one. Um, and then we moved into the Drukmani scavengers, who mm-hmm. um, I thought were really really cool. Uh, you know, when they were introduced, uh, initially, uh, and then, um, you know, then all of a sudden we started getting more and more stuff about them, uh, in season three. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see where that faction goes and how they find a, a, a place, um, in the galaxy. Cause they're definitely starting to flex, I think mm-hmm. a little bit figuratively and literally, um, you did uh, a great job with them. Thanks. <laughs> um, we got some, uh, we got the Tamarians in here, right? Because uh, we have our first Tamarian uh, crew member. Uh, and if you were uh, ever wondering what some of those metaphors mean, I put a metaphor list in there for you. Um, and then we get into the Orions and, and how are the Orions capitalizing in this vo- post-war void? Um, so it, that was a, a lot of fun. I love the Tamarian phrases because I learned new ones and it's like, these are all great. And I wish I had more friends to use these with. So <laughs> I think it's going to be the launching point for people too, who want to play it to Marion, you know, to expand on this. And, and I could see inside jokes, like having people rolling off the table with when they come up with their own metaphors and meanings. Yeah. Yeah. I would say these are about 75% like terms that were actually used in the scripts. And then probably 25% are ones that I kind of made up to make it 
uh, sound like their mythos. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to know which ones are like Mardo in front of the assembly. Did you make that one up? Uh, off the top of my head, I think that was actually in, a real one. Oh, uh, embarrassment due to trip. <laughs> that, was, that was just so real. Yep. All right, great. And then uh, and then we wrap up the chapter uh, talking briefly about some of the uh, the notable worlds that we've seen mm-hmm. in, uh, in Lower Dice. I think, like I mentioned at the top of the show, and we talked about a little bit, um, they, they managed to pack a lot of information into all these episodes. And a lot of these, uh, you know, it's almost like the traditional original series Next Gen, where it's the planet of the week. New planet, new situations, new things, new places to go check out. And so we tried to we tried to hit as many as we could in the first couple of seasons there. And uh, I think we managed to fit in what eight or nine or maybe 10 in here as much as I could, as much as I can squeeze in given the, the page constraints. Um, so, uh, you know, you'll, if you, if you remember some of the planets from the first few seasons and uh, want to include those in your game, whether either as just a touch point or a actual destination, then uh, you got some options there. And I think um, Al, I think you wrote most of those too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, it was, I, I proposed these to you because I was like, again, they're creating all of these cool new locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of it's just surface level information. A um, couple of these planets they spend some time on or have entire episodes around. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I really wanted to do is start, uh, I know we've been talking on this podcast for a while about, you know, using traits um, mm-hmm. and, and how we can get, uh, traits as part of a story t- of your storytelling. Um, so one of the things I was really focused on was getting the traits of these planets, um, posted in the book, um, because each of these planets is unique and has, um, cool things happening there. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that that was noted in the traits so that when you do go and visit, uh, this is something that you have to always be remembering in the background. Um, you know, very nice. I love Packlet, of course. Strong. Yeah. Their traits. Appreciate that one. <laughs> All right. So that, that brings us to the end of uh, chapter one and then the end of this episode. So we'll uh, mm-hmm. wrap it up here, I think. Um, and, uh, as, uh, as is our, uh, usual routine here on, uh, continuing conversations we'll uh, we'll go around and uh, give out our gratitude so michael why don't you kick us off sure i am going to uh, say thank you to games of berkeley uh and they are of course stocking they have a healthy stock of star trek adventures game that aren't only available when you walk in the store but even if you purchase online um so they're make, giving people various access to the hard copy books that way they're they're a mainstay um in in that university city for for decades now so that's my shout out to them pass the baton over to aaron I'm going to give a non-game shout out. Uh, I was at a fleet museum of sorts this past weekend, and I'm going to give a shout out to the Kalamazoo Air Zoo, where I actually had a really good time. It's not my first time being there, but they have some really great exhibits. Uh, Always worth going to learn new things about aviation history. Nice. Nice. Al, what's your gratitude for this week? Uh, I just want to say thank you uh, to the folks uh, with the Tabletop Journeys podcast. Um, they had me on um, this this past week to talk about momentum and termination and, uh, you know, values and things like that. So um, it was a lot of fun. And I really appreciate them and anyone who's producing content um, for Star Trek Adventures. The more people that we get talking about it, the more eyes we get on the product and the more players that we have. So uh, I appreciate uh, everything they do for us. John? Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. John. Um, real quick. Am I allowed to cuss? 
Yeah. Okay. Then uh, my shout out actually goes to the Star Trek shitposting group on Facebook. Um, that is a group that never fails to entertain. It is uh, kept me up to date with so much that comes out with Star Trek. And it's just fun. Um, I know that I've gone through a really difficult time lately. Uh, my family's gone through a bunch of illnesses. And mm. nothing really makes you smile than just taking a break from like walking through hospitals or from moving houses, sitting down. And then you see really, really dumb memes. And I just want you to know that sometimes the commentary is really truthful. And sometimes the commentary is just really spot on. And sometimes it's just so random. You're laughing and you can't even explain the joke to the next person. Uh, so just thanks to all you guys doing the hard work um, and, and making people laugh. You really made me laugh. Awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. All right, Jim with the hat. Big hat, me. Uh, I will. Um, gosh, where do I even start? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, obviously, I mean, I need to thank I need to thank Paramount and uh, and Titmouse and uh, and Mike McMahon <laughs> and everybody on that side of things for uh, for giving us the license to even do loader decks. Like, I mean, obviously, they uh, they have faith in what we've been doing over the last seven years, and that's a testament to 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 everybody on the Modifius side and all the freelancers that we've hired and brought on board. And, uh, and 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 me shepherding you through the all the, all the rocks and shoals and uh, getting it to where we are and they they said okay we we want you to do a lower decks thing or do something with, do something with lower decks here's the here's the license go have fun and uh, and we delivered it and uh, and they were really happy with it like the, the the manuscript we delivered and the art we delivered was probably like 94, 95 percent there and they just needed to give us that guidance to get it to help us get it the rest of the way and uh, just grateful to all of them all the hard work that they put in. Um, especially the review team. Gosh, they they they're responsible for reviews for literally everything Star Trek, right? I mean, our stuff is a lot of reading, and and but they've got to deal with everything else, like the toys, the clothes, the tchotchkes, the models, like like everything you can imagine. This branded Star Trek goes through their hands, and it's like they're always busy. They're always busy, and then convention season hits. And they're off to the conventions and it's like, oh my gosh, I just can't even imagine. Like, I would love to do that job, but it would be a lot of work. You'd have to really, really love Star Trek. And of course, I know I, I do. And I know you all do too. Uh, it'd just be a different world, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so thanks to all of them. And then for this episode, I'll just end it by saying thanks to all the fans. Again, y'all, I like what John says, like, and, and Al even, um, you're out there, you're doing the streams, you're doing the videos, you're doing the actual plays, you're doing the conversations on all the different social media, all the different game boards. Um, um, that, that, is, that, that is intangible benefits that we can't thank you enough for because you're fans, you're excited, you're energized, you're talking about the game, you're getting more people into the game. And that's a win. Like, like you know, the, the, the tide lifts everybody, right? And, and it's just so much fun nowadays to go to social media and to hear people enjoying the game, talking about the game, asking the questions or, you know, answering the questions. Because like, you know, we're lucky in that uh, new fans are coming into this game every day, like every week, especially on the uh, on the the fan run uh, Facebook group, uh, the Star Trek Adventures Facebook group. Like every week, uh, the moderator posts the new list of members who join that week. And it's usually like, you know, 20, 30 new people every week. And consistently, the same group of people are on there saying, hey, welcome on. Welcome aboard. Have fun. Go check out this search engine. Go you know, get involved. Have some conversations. Tell us about what you love about Star Trek and about the game. and what questions do you have? So I love that because it shows that the game has a healthy fan base and I'm grateful for that. 
Uh, so keep doing what you're doing because you guys are awesome, uh, guys and ladies and, and all everybody in between um, and different and uh, unusual. And um, keep it up and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll do, you, do you good because we got lots of cool stuff coming. But right now we're all about lower decks and yep. uh, it's uh, we're stronger together, infinite diversity, infinite dimensions. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. IDIC, double hands. All right. We'll see you around chapter two next week. Thank you, Aaron, John, Al, for coming on the show to talk about your contributions. Yep. Live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you all next time.